Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. the queen of bubblegum pop a one-hit wonder just feels wrong. To Carly Rae's cult following, it feels like she's released hit after hit over the years. A quick internet search of her Billboard chart success, however, reveals the shocking truth. Call Me Maybe is really her only mainstream hit. Regardless, here at One Hit Thunder, we know that an incredible and prolific career rarely has anything to do with the charts, and Carly Rae Jepsen is no exception to that rule. This week, we're joined by author Eric Brown to completely fanboy out over one of Pop's most likable artists. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed. Live off royalties forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder Alright Eric, welcome to the show Hey man, I gotta tell you Right from the start here That Matt told me Who you wanted to do an episode about And and we celebrate one-hit wonders here on this show. We're always like, one-hit wonder, that is not like a bad word. That's not a bad term to call somebody. But when Matt told me Carly Rae Jepsen, I just went like, <gasps> I clutched my pearls and went, I refuse. No, I will not call Carly Rae Jepsen a one-hit wonder. Then I went onto Billboard and I'm like, oh my God, I guess she technically is. Other than if we're not counting the song with Al City, Good Time, that was also kind of a hit. Maybe we're counting that as more of an Al City song, but technically I can't believe it because I'm a Carly Rae stan. I love I love her album so much. I think she's amazing. But man, you, you I I can't believe we're calling her that. I I think it's like because I I didn't think it either, but then if you go out and ask the general public, like, oh, what are your favorite Carly Rae Jepsen songs? They will probably only say Call Me Maybe. <sighs> and then if they try and name like five, 
they can't. Yeah. But I am the same way. I think she's a fantastic, she's a great pop star, but it's weird. She does not have the same, I think you have to kind of like think of her as a different kind of one hit wonder where it's like, she is a pop star, mm-hmm. but compared to all other pop stars, it's like they're all the way up here and she's way down here yeah. because she just has not had the breakout success that other pop stars have with almost every single album that they have. Well, that's so one of the other things that kind of sealed it for me, because I was like, I didn't have her on the long list because in my mind, I'm like, "Uh, it's murky water. Like good time is technically an Al city song featuring Carly Rae, but like, I don't even count that one. But they, but they put it on both albums. So like, I don't know like how that felt like it's a very confusing, like, middle of the road question where I'm like, I don't know. Like, does that mean Billy Ray Cyrus isn't technically a one hit wonder? Cause he was featured on the little Nas X old town road. Like, Billy I don't, like, I don't know songs, how... man. Billy Ray had other country hits. Yeah. He had other country hits. Breaky heart. And... Could have been me. They had a song called could have been me. I don't know how I know this. My, <laughs> my parents listened to country in the nineties. So I know he had, he had a couple hits. My point being that as I was Googling this to try to figure out, like, is she widely considered a one hit wonder? I stumbled upon an article uh, from the CBC radio, which I imagine is the Canadian broadcasting channel. That's my best guess. Uh, but they they said Carly Rae Jepsen proves that one hit wonders will soon cease to exist. And their whole breakdown was that she had put out a new album at that time and the lead single off of it had reached 39 on the Hot 100 uh, and it was a couple, a good chunk of years after Call Me Maybe. It was I really, really, um, really, really, really like you, or just it's yes, just called that, I really like you. But like, yes, dude, that's that the one. song with Tom Hanks in the music yeah. video. Amazing music yes. video. How that song is so catchy and has Tom Hanks in the freaking music video. How was it not higher than number thirty nine? They had yeah. they had to be her whole team had to be like what. What, what yeah, more? Do I, how is I, this I blame her team, honestly. Yeah. I think it's someone in her team that just keeps fucking up yep. because I'm like, <laughs> how is she not one of the biggest pop stars? Because I think The Loneliest Time, that's her newest yep. album that came out last year. I think it's one of the best pop albums that has come out probably in the last five years. Yeah. Maybe even 10. It's incredible. <laughs> like, well, with the point of the article, though, that was saying, and we're seeing this, right? Little Nas X, who I mentioned, is a prime example that because of the way that music is listened to today between TikTok and Spotify and streaming and all this, like you, everyone thought Little Nas X was going to be a one hit wonder. The second everyone heard Old Town Road, they're like, this song's catchy. We'll never hear from this guy again. And like against all odds, multiple giant singles have come from Little Nas X. And that was kind of what this article was predicting in before Little Nas X even happened was like the way that people listen to music will make it impossible for an artist like a Carly Rae Jepsen to ever like fully disappear from the public eye, even if they only have one mainstream hit, because the people who love them are going to stream their music like crazy. And that's always going to be registered in the Billboard charts and give them at a bare minimum a low top 40 hit for almost any song that they put out. And streaming's why you get situations where like, wasn't it like Taylor Swift had the entirety of the top 10 one week? Yeah, Drake has had that. (laughs) People just, yeah, they dominate the charts because of streaming. But yeah, you're right. Unless you totally suck or it's just like (laughs) a novelty song and all your, you, you know, if your other songs are all terrible and something catches on for some silly reason. Yeah, 
if you have that one big breakthrough hit, maybe your other songs aren't going to be as big a hits, but you're going to have that cult following. You're going to find yeah. your listeners. And that's, that's one of the pros of streaming music. You know, if it was 25, 30 years ago, if you like an artist, you're going to have to go out and physically buy their albums to maybe become more of a fan. But now you can just, you can stream everything. And maybe that's how I became such a big Carly Rae fan. I don't know if I would have checked, like what got me hooked was the emotion album. Like that album just front to back, I think is one of maybe the best pop album I've ever heard. That's the thing about her that maybe she's known as the queen of bubblegum pop, which I grew up on bubblegum pop. I loved Debbie Gibson. I loved New Kids. I loved New Edition. I loved Tiffany. You know, that music that's just over the top, feel good, bubblegum, uplifting. And uh, I love that. And maybe maybe there aren't, maybe there isn't enough dark songs or something with Carly Rae. Maybe that's what has kept her from having more huge hits, but I love it. I mean, you might be onto something with that too, because think about like what has been some of the biggest female pop songs in the last five years. It is like Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. It is like even Olivia Rodrigo is like bubblegummy as some of her stuff is. It's still got like a dark edge to it where there is not a lot of edge on what yeah. Carly Rae is putting out. It is feel good pop music. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe that's why most of her. I went to uh, her concert when she was in Philly, and it was basically, I would say, the very uh, least 95% gay men in their, like, late 20s, mid-30s. And it was just... Why is it so specifically... I You know, it's funny, as I read that, is that most of her crowd are gay men in their 30s why so that's so niche (laughs) it's not just it's not just gay people in general it's not just gay men it's gay men in their 30s are target demographic now i will say that i'm a a middle-aged guy who's not gay who loves carly ray jepson so i guess maybe i'm the exception to that five percent the five percent it's it's middle-aged men who aren't gay is the other five percent i guess Uh, and what's so funny about carly ray is carly ray is obviously like a very attractive cute girl i just i would just love to hang out with her and like write a song or something like i it's not like i i don't know there's just something so likable about her personality and that comes through in her music and that she's a real deal songwriter she for for that dedication album which oh my god i love dedication i think that album's incredible too she apparently wrote over 200 songs which is why then a year later, she released Dedication Side B, which was a whole second album of songs yeah. that weren't on the first album. I think she did that for Emotion, too. Didn't she have a bunch oh, of B-sides for she, Emotion? Yep. Or was it like just a deluxe that like she added things on to? It was just a deluxe, but it was a big... It was yeah. like a lot of songs were yeah. added, yeah. I So the other thing that... I, I hate to say this. this. This sounds so ageist, and I don't mean it to. But I recently, and I will tell you how I discovered this, but at the time that Call Me Maybe came out, she was 26 years old, which, like, you know, to to a video chat call of some dudes in their mid to late 30s, early 40s, <laughs> feels super young. But in the world of, like, a pop star just breaking onto the scene, definitely leans more towards an older age where it's like, I wonder if that hurts, too, because honestly, like, the bubble, the, the pop music in general is usually 
digest it by a young audience that can imagine themselves being friends with or wanting to date the artists, right? You know what I mean? Like, girls... Girls like Britney Spears because they wanted to be Britney Spears and guys like Britney Spears because it was a hot girl about their age when she came out. Some of us like the songs, Matt. Some of us just like the <laughs> Britney songs, man. I, Come on. Look, I'm just saying. Some of us I'm are just, just saying, gay. Yeah. But I'm saying like in general, that is when you talk about like a pop. If, if a record label's looking for a pop star, they are looking for those aspects Ageist. of like. Ageist, yeah, Matt. The, hey, man. I know. Co- Wait, do you want to know how I know what her age was when that song came out? Because it's kind of hilarious. Why is that? I watched a video of ICP watching the music video <laughs> for Call Me Maybe. That was also, it was a combination of Imagine Sh- Violent J and Shaggy 2 Dope doing their version of Mystery Science Theater 3000, but with music videos. But it also had a pop-up video aspect to whenever they said something incorrect, a little bubble pop noise would come up and like a thing would show up. And they're like, we shouldn't be talking about this girl. I'm pretty sure she's like 15. And then it was like bubble pop. And it was like, Carly Rae Jepsen is 26 Oh, as, as if ICP <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't do that. Have you ever heard Riddlebox? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, listen, dude. Side note: that video, so fucking funny. Yeah. Like, like watching them watch that music video is a goddamn delight. For those of you who haven't seen the Call Me Maybe music video, Carly Rae Jepsen is looking at her next door neighbor cutting the grass uh, and is slowly falling in love. And in the beginning of the video, they think that he's just a landscaper, <laughs> and Violent Jay's like. This whole video is fucking bullshit. There's no landscapers that look like this. They look like me. <laughs> like, and, but then the big reveal at the end of the video is as she finishes her song and she runs to get a pen to write down her number, the guy that she's been crushing on hands her male guitarist his phone number and gives him a little wow. wink and a nod. And dude, ICP fucking loved it. They're like, yo, that is the best twist is, of Eric, all time. Is that how she went over all the gays just right off the bat? I think it must be. She's right like, on. from the jump, she's like, we gotta have this twist. Yep. Trust me. Yep. Side note, they also exclusively called her Carly Simon. They had no clue who she was watching the video. They're like, this Carly Simon girl is gonna go wow. far. <laughs> like, hey. So, Good, so they liked it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they loved it. <laughs> hey, uh, I didn't realize that Carly Rae came from Canadian Idol. That's where she got her yeah. start. Oh. And so that was in the year 2007. She placed third. It was the fifth season of Canadian Idol. So I watched her audition. And I, I don't know who any of these judges are on Canadian Idol. It wasn't any of the, you know, we know all those Canadian people now, Matt, from doing this show. Yeah. It wasn't anyone. Remember? Oh, what? It wasn't Sash Jordan and no, Drake. it wasn't Sash Jordan. <laughs> uh, but, but speaking of her age and stuff, so she came on there and she was playing acoustic guitar and singing. She came out, there were four judges, and one of the judges said, you're 21, right? And she's like, yeah. And then, dude, so dickheadish, the guy went, yeah, you're 21 going on 14. He said it's so mean. I, like, watch it on YouTube. It's, like, weird how he says it. I'm like, oh, that was And pretty... Canadians aren't traditionally mean, it was, so that's extra dude, mean. It, it was, that's Canadian mean. It was weird. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was harsh. She completely ignored him saying that. And then she played. She was awesome. And all four of the judges loved her. And the one guy was like, I hope you don't make it. I'll sign you right now. I'll, I'll sign you. Yeah, come sign to my managed company right now. All four of them liked her and like, come get your ticket. And then I watched her performance 
what you know there's a lot of performances if you're on one of those idol shows but i i watched her do get to third place like yeah yeah. i watched her do one of the songs we did on here matt she did torn on there oh nice so she ended up getting third and then it was years later uh when call me maybe was released she recorded herself titled that with the little help of a guy named justin bieber uh bieber let her manager let his manager, Scooter Braun, know about Carly Rae Jepsen. Now, Scooter Braun, he's the notorious, the one that Taylor Swift doesn't like, right? Yep. Okay. Exactly. Right. So Scooter Braun signed Carly Rae Jepsen to a joint worldwide record contract with his label, Schoolboy Records, and Interscope. And then Call Me Maybe came out and took the world by storm. It was the best-selling single of the year. It sold over 18 million copies. I mean, this is... 2012 so sold so i guess still on itunes is that i guess i mean this song for that year it was tied with it was tied with maroon fives one more night for the longest number one single of the year both of them were number one for nine weeks this was a great fucking year for long-standing hit songs because think about there's only 52 weeks in a year right so 18 of those weeks were already dominated by just two songs. <laughs> then Gautier's Somebody That I Used oh. to Know was the second longest running number one song that year with eight weeks. And then in third place was a tie between Fun's We Are Young and Bruno Mars's Locked Out of Heaven wow. that, uh, that both had six weeks at number one. So we're talking about a year where there was essentially only 10 number one songs for the entirety of the year. It was crazy. <laughs> those are great songs. Yeah. She lost the Grammy to the oh, She did lose song. the Grammy wow. to We Are Young. Wow. Dude, I mean, there those all those songs, other than the Maroon 5 song, which I don't even really remember that song. I don't remember does, one more night, I don't but I remember that one either. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I'm sure it sounds like a Maroon 5 song. But it was uh, yeah. so here's here's a reference point is when this song was number one, Maroon 5's payphone was the number three song in America. So it's from that very fucking awful album with like payphone, moves like Jagger, like okay. When they were really doing weird ass shit with their music. Gotcha. And when the, payphones still existed, too. Yeah, back when payphones <laughs> still existed. <laughs> I had to be on the tail end of that. I, I saw one. That was the kitsch of the whole song. It was just that they were about a payphone. I saw one in, I was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania last week, and we walk, we're walking the street. We're like, there's a payphone right there. It was like weird to see it. It was like a functioning payphone. I mean, I guess Lancaster might be a place where. Uh, well, maybe two time travelers from the 80s were just stopping by to get some food yeah, real quick. Possibly. Um, but anyway, yeah, Call Me Maybe was this huge hit. Later that year, Good Time came out, was a top 10 hit in Canada and the U.S. A couple years later, 2014, she made her Broadway debut where she played Cinderella for 12 weeks. Interesting turn, I would say, when you're on top of the world, kind of in the world of pop music. Kind of a cool one. Kind of a cool yeah. choice to be like, well, I want to parlay this into being on Broadway. I didn't even know that. Um, but then in 2015, she came back with Emotion, which I think is an absolutely incredible album. I might may- want to make the bold statement. Now, I can be argued with here if you guys have ones to put up against it. I might say that it's the greatest pop album ever made. Now, what are you going to throw at me? You guys can throw whatever at me. You can throw oh. Michael Jackson albums at me. Uh, you can throw... I don't know, Matt. I don't know how familiar with emotion you are. Eric, I think knows. I, I mean, I can't. I can't put a, a direct competitor up against it. I'm just thinking of pop albums that I love. Hmm. 
Mariah Carey Daydream comes yeah, to my mind. I take pop this albums over that I love, but mm. but you know I love Janet. No, and I probably yeah. put this over any Janet complete album. There might be Janet songs I like more than Carly Rae songs, but Janet, even the Velvet Rope. Now, the Velvet Rope's a much oh, different. You do love Velvet Rope, but it, that I I feel like that walks the line of a pop album to begin it, with. It's like an R and B album more than a, than yeah. a pop <laughs> album. You know, this album has "Run Away with Me" on it. Um, which that's the the opening track unbelievable song i really like you the song that i can't believe wasn't a number one hit it's so funny it's so funny that it's the chorus is i really 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 <laughs> like you how is that not an instant hit maybe it's just too silly anybody can sing it yeah. that's how they got tom hanks to be in the music video probably yeah. they're like here it's not a lot of lyrics that you have to lip sync right. to don't worry about it <laughs> it's such a good video too matt have you seen that video no, I'm gonna have to look that one up. In all dude, honesty, dude, it's I all wanna... the whole video is Tom Hanks lip syncing the song, like going through his day lip syncing the song, walking down the street. People are like, "Oh my god, it's Tom Hanks," and he's just singing the song. It's incredible, man. I I googled best pop albums of all time, and man, Google is getting a real real loose <laughs> with the word pop. Um, so obviously, Michael Jackson Thriller's on there. Then a bunch of Beatles and Fleetwood Mac albums, which would not fall into the pop category in my mind. Uh, Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, I definitely wouldn't put yeah, in the pop like, album category. Like rock. Yeah, but then we get like Lady Gaga, The Fame is on here. Yeah. Taylor Swift, 1989. Yeah, I mean. Beyonce, Lemonade. I like Carly Rae. <laughs> Bjork Post is in here as a pop album. Well, I mean, if Bjork Post is a pop album, then yes, I like that more. But I don't <laughs> consider that a pop album. <laughs> I, I also don't consider Lemonade a pop album no. either. I think that's probably like, that's when Beyonce moved on, like transcended like genre yeah. entirely, I think, <laughs> so from I mean, that on. Right. I feel like this raises the question more than anything of what is pop music? Yeah. I, <laughs> I guess if we're defining it as popular music, then that's a whole different, that's a whole different thing. When I, when I say pop, I mean, okay, what are qualities of pop? Feel good, uplifting, in a major key. I have to say, I think above uh, emotion, I would say Gaga's either born this way or um, I'm not sure how they kind of do the fame and the fame monster. I, I know that the fame came out first and the fame monster was an EP that was kind of like released with everything all together. I always kind of count them all together because it feels like the same album. But I think those would be probably in my top over. I, I think in all honesty, here's the one I'm going to throw out there. And it is not a beloved album oh, <laughs> on the level of anything that you've named. But you know that I fucking love Kesha. So I would say maybe Kesha Rainbow would be the one that I'd be I, like. Kesha Rainbow, I think, is a pretty perfect pop album, actually. I like it. I like a different one by her, though, I think. What's well, there was there's Cannibal. There's Animal. Warrior. There's like Warrior, Warrior, which is great with Die Young. Die Young's a great song. The most recent album that she's put out, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, her newest album will be out, and I'm very excited for that. But uh, High Road that she put out, which features guest vocals from Big Frida, uh, is a <laughs> it's a huge win for me uh, when you bring in a drag queen singing along with Kesha on a couple <laughs> tracks. I'm like, I am so on board for this. <laughs> yeah, Kesha, I, I liked tiktok when that song came yeah. out i was like i i like this and then you know i know everything she went through i know her story and that song praying 
Is that, is that the Praying. song's called? That's yeah. on Rainbow. Rainbow that is song, so good. Wow. <laughs> that's like one of the most powerful songs. But once again, yeah, it's pop, but that's like, I don't know. It's, it feels like more epic than pop. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm thinking of pop as I'm thinking of bubblegum pop. That's actually what I'm yeah. talking about here is like, and yeah, I know Lady Gaga goes in there. Lady Gaga, I think Lady Gaga, the person, I think I enjoy her, the person a lot more than I, for some reason, her music doesn't do anything for me. I don't know, but Carly Rae's does. Uh, but anyway, I think Emotion's a perfect album, but then I think Dedicated to Perfect Album too. That that album, there is not a single playlist I make that doesn't have the song No Drug Like Me on it. It's like such a good song. <laughs> Julian's a great song. Now That I Found You, great song with a great music video. Um, Want You In My Room's great. Party For One is great. So many good songs. I love it. Just name every I, single I, track. I seriously <laughs> could name the whole track list. I that was like a, a running album for me that I would listen to. I ran and it just I I love it. I mean, absolutely love Carly Rae. Little cool thing is that uh, a dude I know was her touring bassist for years. Uh, it was Adam from he was uh, in the band The Academy Is. And uh, he was her tour. So, so for years, we're friends on Facebook and he'd be posting these pictures on tour. I'm like, oh my God, she, you know, playing these enormous <laughs> shows with like one of my favorite artists. I'm like, freaking jealous. <laughs> I want to be Carly Rae's bassist. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip podcast. Every week I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up and coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Hey, one hit thunders, thunderheads, thunder buns. All right. I'll just go with One Hit Thunder listeners. This is Chris DeMakes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Chris DeMakes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song that they have written. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites such as Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurwitz, up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu, and even some of the artists that have been featured on One Hit Thunder. The show is even produced by One Hit Thunder host Chris Fafalius. 
What more could you possibly ask for? Krista Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. I guarantee you'll like it, or we'll give you your money back. We don't do this enough, but I'm doing this right now. Every once in a while, we put out an episode, and the artist hears the episode. And I'm just <laughs> saying, Carly Ray, if you hear this episode, be our friends. Yeah, you wanna, wait, I'm, sure she would, I'm sure she probably would be. She seems like the nicest person ever who writes great music. And yeah, Eric, be you, our friend and come on a podcast and tell us your favorite oh, one. Oh, I would be aw- What an awesome <laughs> guest. That'd be an awesome guest. Bring me back for that yes. one. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, Eric, we got to talk about The Loneliest Time. You love her newest album, right? I love, I, that is one of the first albums in years that I listened to from beginning to end, Mm -hmm. no skips. And like, I say that about a lot of albums. I'll be like, oh yeah, there's no skips, but there are skips. Uh This is the one that like, I, I had the way I listen to music. I always, anytime there's a new thing, I'll just hit kind of like shuffle. I know that there's a lot of artists that get angry because they put a lot of thought into how they should, you should listen to the album. But I always just hit shuffle and then play. And then any song I like, I hit heart on Spotify. And by the end of my first listen through, every single one of them was hearted on my on my list. And I was like, oh, I have to take at least a couple of these off. Yeah. But <laughs> if I'm like, because otherwise it's just I'll get like Carly Rae Jepsen every other song. Yeah. So the title track with Rufus Wainwright. That song. That's another one that was you were talking about how like it, like songs are becoming TikTok famous. That was one that got like I think twenty some million streams just on TikTok alone, right? And it still didn't get in. Like I don't think it broke into the top ten on Billboard, right? Which I love that song. It, that song is amazing. I gotta tell you about that song. I was <laughs> that song. It's very almost borderline disco, uh, and. That's why I love yeah, it. it. I love disco. It is. It's really good, but it's funny. I put that song on. I was at my girlfriend's and I put that song on and whatever. And then it gets to that part where she, it's like a conversation where she's like, I'm coming back for you, babe. And my girlfriend's like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, it's Carly <laughs> Rae. Don't talk shit. It's Carly Rae. It's so good. Uh, that The song that got me hooked from this album, the first song I heard from it is Talking to Yourself which I think is just so good. Such a great pop song. Um, I know we just sound like we're just fanboying out on Carly Rae. If you're not a Carly Rae, Carly Rae is a one hit wonder. Now here are all the amazing songs that well, you have to no, listen to. But that's what this, listen, this podcast at its core. And I, I like to stress this sometimes because there are definitely artists who don't listen to the episode and then think that our whole show is making fun of people who only had one hit and it is so the opposite when when this show was originally conceived in my brain it was there are so many artists that people only know one song from and they should know so many more songs by them and i think that that's why even if like carly ray jepsen falls onto this weird like maybe she's a one and a half hit wonder or whatever like people should know way more songs by her regardless <laughs> like they like that shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a thing that's even up for debate. Like it'd be like, no, she's obviously not a one hit wonder because here's the 15 top 10 hits that she's had in her career that were deservedly there. Like, and she's a songwriter. You know, I know, yeah. I know a lot of pop stars these days do write songs and collaborate on their songs, but you know, growing up, there were a lot of like most of the pop artists didn't write their songs. They were just a face or a good dancer, you know, or whatever. But I think she's a really, really great songwriter. The fact that she wrote 
she claims she wrote 200 songs for for dedication. I think that's really cool. Another really cool thing about her, and I really got to get your opinion on this, Eric. <laughs> in in March of 2013, uh, Carly Rae was scheduled to perform at the Boy Scouts of America's National oh, Scout yeah. Jamboree, but then she pulled out due to their policy on homosexuality. But then yeah. it wasn't like even a year later when they overturned first for scouts. And then I think it was like a year later, then scout leaders or whatever, they, they overturned their ban on that or whatever. My question to you, Eric, was it, was it because of Carly Ray? <laughs> did, Car- did, <laughs> did, did, did Carly Ray turn the tide is the question. I think, you know what happened? It was all of the boy scouts that were in there in 2013. And then they found out, Oh, Carly Ray Jepsen's not performing for us. Then we're leaving right. the scouts. We're done. I think th- we're not even, we don't even <laughs> care if you are discriminating against people. We just don't want to be part of this anymore. Right. And then they were like, Oh, we have low enrollment numbers. Let's just, Let's just try and get Carly Rae Jepsen back on our side. Right. That's what it was. <laughs> I think that's, I think I like to believe that's totally what it was. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it is, I think it's really cool, you know, when artists speak their mind, when, when they're an, an ally to people and any, any group who is, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Discriminated. Discriminated against. against. I couldn't think of the word discriminated for some reason. Uh, because it's not in your vocabulary. Not in vocabulary. <laughs> Discrimination is not even in my vocabulary. That's how, that's how forward thinking I am. Um, I, <laughs> anyway, uh, Matt, what do you, I feel like you usually have uh, facts to tell us. Do you have any charts on Carly so, Rae? Do you have, what, what's so, something so Eric like we, and I don't know about Carly Rae? So we ran down a big chunk of it, but I wanted to talk about, I mean, obviously when a song is as massive as this song, there's a good amount of covers. Some of the artists who have covered this song include Fun, actually recorded a cover of Call Me Maybe. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Fallon infamously did a cover of this with the kids' toys when he was doing that little like YouTube thing. Mm -hmm. Um, A band called The Radioactive Chicken Heads has covered this. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic covered it in one of his polka medleys uh, on one of his albums. But the thing that I want to talk to you guys about is a thing that's near and dear to my heart. Sesame Street, in which Cookie <laughs> Monster sang his Call Me Maybe parody, Share It Maybe, about how if you have a cookie, you should maybe share it with Cookie Monster. <laughs> and it's fantastic. <laughs> nice. Are we going to get a clip of that? Oh, Yes, there will be a clip of Share It Maybe in this episode. You cookie showing and me hunger growing. Let's get skim milk flowing. We'll start this snack going, baby. Hey, me just met you. And this is crazy. But you got cookie. So share it maybe. It's hard to look at. Your snack baby. But you got cookie. So share it, uh, my friend, my friend was over. We were watching TV while I was doing some research, like last second research, and we were watching an episode of The New Girl. Uh, and as soon as the episode ended, I said, "Hold on, we need to pause. I need to pull something up for research purposes." And we watched Cookie Monster's rendition of "Share It Maybe." And then that person looked at me and said, "I'm very glad that you stopped interrupted my New Girl watch." Nice. <laughs> I love New Girl. I know that's off topic, but I, I really, really love New Girl. I've watched that entire series like probably five times. This I, is my first real watch of it. I had it on in the background during the early days of the pandemic, but I did not retain any of it. So this is me like actually mostly watching the show, and it's great. 
They're all great. It's great characters. I love shows where people love each other. Dude. <laughs> like, I, I, I started watching that show, and then I think I got to the point when it was just kind of like, it felt like it, they had kind of run out of story. And I know that usually shows like that, they don't have, you don't really run out of story because it's just about how quirky the characters are and how funny it is. But it was like the Nick and Jess romance stuff, yeah. like kind of well, came to a head. And that's I was just always like, right, I the think struggle. That's always the struggle with any sitcom is when you yeah. build a will they, won't they, and then they will. And then they uh, will. <laughs> then, Jim and Pam, and then, then Jim and Pam get married, and then they were originally meant to like get divorced, like break up, and really, the, and wow. everyone, everyone was just like, no, we can't do this. <laughs> like, could you imagine? I mean, it would have been pretty, like real i kind of probably would have respected that (laughs) like that they did that but yeah i mean i think we're almost at the point to talk about thunder (laughs) and blunder but before we get there as we've been talking so much about uh carly ray jepsen and her fan base and how she uh represents representation we have a author here who has a new book coming out that's all about representation (laughs) Nice segue. And it's also about, like, will they, won't they? Yeah. And maybe they won't. So <laughs> that's what I was trying to go with it, too. That's actually a really good segue. Tell, tell us about it. Tell us about it. Tell us about it, Eric. So uh, it's my second book is Lose You to Find Me. Um, it is based on the after-school job that Matt and I had in high school. It's actually where we pretty much became friends. Um, it was a retirement community. We were servers there. Uh, and it is about this kid in his last year of high school, and he wants to go to culinary school. And all of a sudden, the first boy he ever had a crush on and lost contact with six years ago uh, ends up working there and kind of throws his whole life into turmoil. And all of the plans he had just immediately go right out the window. And it's him trying to figure out how to get his life back on track and how to get everything that he wants and find out what he really wants. Nice. I love a good coming-of-age story. Would you say yeah. it's a coming-of-age story? And it's like story? a workplace comedy, yeah. Nice. It's a workplace rom-com coming-of-age. So it's like, I always pitch it as Empire Records in an old folks' home. Love it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I mean, while you're, you know, if you're listening and you go out to buy Lose You to Find Me, I'm pretty sure it's coming out at the exact same time that your first book's paperback is coming out. Right? Yes, it is. <laughs> Which, it's, it's so strange because due to inflation... Uh, the paperback is almost as expensive as the original hardcover was, <laughs> which I don't get. It's like it's fifteen ninety nine for the paperback, and it was seventeen ninety nine for the hardcover. You gotta get a like, hardcover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might as well. Yeah, I mean it's the same cover no matter what. It's just a little flimsier. Yeah, I'd pay a little bit extra to get those UK covers. I don't know why the UK is getting such good covers for your books. Well, I have great news. Blackwell's <laughs> has free shipping worldwide. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> just came out yesterday when you're listening to this episode. <laughs> nice. Perfect timing. <laughs> it is. You can all just go right to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or go to your local independent bookstore. I really like independent bookstores. That's the place. I don't know if it's yeah. back in the day, you know, uh, with my my band, we sold so much stuff online and didn't put the effort into getting people to go to, you know, to a certain extent, but getting people to go to the independent record stores to buy it. Uh, And I wish we'd have put a little more effort on that because that's where you want people to go support those businesses. And in turn, those businesses support the artist. They support the author. They support the, the band or whatever, because it's a mutual, mutually dependent situation. So yeah, if you can get out to a, an independent bookstore and pick it up, I think. And yeah, 
If you're in the Philly area on June 1st, I'm doing an event with uh, an author named Steven Salvatore. Uh, we're doing an event on June 1st at A Novel Idea in Philly. On July 5th, I'll be in LA at Book Soup with Adam Sass. Uh, on July 16th, I'll be at the Columbus Book Festival. So I'm going to be, I'm doing like a book tour. That's even. fun as I'll hell. Books of Wonder uh, <laughs> on May 30th in New York City. That's fun as hell, man. That's awesome. You're hitting all yeah. the major the major cities now with your book. <laughs> Love it. Can only go to the major cities because I can hopefully get at least four people to show up. There was one event I did last year. Uh, it was me and two other authors. And the only people to show up were one of the authors, editors, mother, and high school best friend. And that was it. <laughs> I'm sure every author... So I was author... like, oh, well, you're here to see him, so can the other two of us just leave? <laughs> I'm sure every author has that story, just like every, oh, yeah. every, every band has that story. Like New York Times bestsellers have... They will go to a bookstore, and no one will be right. there. It happens to everybody. Right. So. Hell yeah. It comes with the territory, but... Uh, and it comes with a fun story, yeah, too. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Carly Rae Jepsen, Thunder or Blunder. I mean, I'm not beating around the bush here. I'm, I'm throwing thunder on Carly Rae's name. No doubt about it. Never been any doubt about it. I was actually outraged at first when this was suggested to me. And even though I'm a big supporter That's of why one, I suggested it. Yeah, I wasn't. Look, I wasn't outraged when we did the Mighty Mighty Boston's. I wasn't outraged when we did. Like, there's so many that we did where I was like, yeah, okay. They only had one hit. This one, I was like, no, we cannot. And then. I think I my like, favorite yeah. line was when Eric texted me and asked. He said, she's like the straight one hit one. <laughs> yeah, because basically all the gays are like, oh, no, are you kidding? Carly Rae Jepsen's not <laughs> a one hit one. All wonder. the gays yeah. plus Chris straight people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. If you're only asking straight people. They're like, oh, yeah, she's a one hit wonder. Everybody else are like, no, no she's not. No, absolutely not. Uh, Eric, I'm going to assume you're going to throw thunder on her name. One thousand percent. Yeah. And who would I be to disagree with you two super fans? <laughs> Absolutely every song I've heard by her has been great. I love some good bubblegum pop. And maybe next time I come down to Pittsburgh and visit the CD warehouse near Chris's house, I'll just get the whole Carly Way Ray collection. I'll just you gotta get, get all of her albums. At least emotion, <laughs> dedication, maybe pick up the loneliest time. Uh and uh, you won't regret it, man. It'll be better than that list of CDs you read to me that you recently got, Matt, which <laughs> I was unimpressed <laughs> with. <laughs> this week's episode of One Hit Thunder is dedicated to the memory of Joe Robinson. He was one of the first people I ever thought to ask to be on this podcast. I'd been booking his band for years, and he was a funny, charming likable person and unfortunately he's no longer with us in lieu of our normal outro i just wanted to play one of his favorite songs from his band cassettes joe is the bass player and he has a ripping bass solo in this song he's gonna be missed he did a great job when he came on to talk about the marvelous threes freak of the week and we had been working out plans to have him back on soon I'm going to miss him. I love you, Joe Rob.
listening to the Geekscape Network. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Okay.